Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Lori Clark Show. This episode of my podcast is brought to you with the help of ZoomUs, a video and audio conferencing interface. It's important to know that I'm in no way sponsored by Zoom. I just want to tell you how much I love it. It is very reliable, easy to use, and provides excellent audio and video files that my team and I produce to share the power of story with you. Another non-sponsored, couldn't do without, but just have to tell you how good it is, is Squarespace. When they say it is the all-in-one platform, it really is true. I go into the back end of my website multiple times a day, adjust things, post podcast, add links, and look at our show's analytics, which all sync across my devices. And when I need an image, Squarespace provides an excellent resource that's powered by Unsplash. Now for my most favorite feature, the Squarespace app. Um, Being a working mom, there never seems to be enough time in my day. So when my daughter's in ballet, I sit in my car and upload, post, and manage everything on my website from the app. It's really cool and seamless. Squarespace is really, really simple and very dedicated to helping me create a brand of excellence. So with that, big shout out to Zoom, Squarespace, and Unsplash. Thank you for helping me tell people's stories. With that said, let's move on to the best part about today, the show. Please allow me to welcome my next guest on The Lori Clark Show. I'm so excited to do this conversation with Amber Jane Smith. She is a mother of two Her youngest child was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when he was 18 months old. And she has since uh, volunteered for the JDRF, um, which is a juvenile diabetes research foundation. And that is how she gives back. Life is full. Life is busy. She's been a fabulous advocate for this foundation and for her child. I just want to dedicate this to you and say thank you so much. May all the blessings and all the gratitude and joy just be on you because you are making it in the world. And when I heard your story, I was I was blown away. I know you have a story. I know you have a message. And I want to share that with our audience and anyone who is curious or who wants to listen. So thank you, Amber Jane, for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. It's been an interesting conversation up to this point. We've had some uh, technical glitches, so we are going to hold and see how long we last on this. Um, hopefully everything will, will work out uh, the way we want it to. Let's just talk about your story. So the first thing when we were talking in the green room um, was I said to you, how do you know an 18-month-old has type 1 diabetes. You, I swear by it. I still say it. You know your child. You know your child better than anybody. And I, you know, um, his temperament, he was such a happy little, little man. And he was laughing all the time and would have a great time. And he was a sleeper and he liked to sleep and he'd wake up from his naps always crap. He is still to that day that wakes up with a smile on his face. He is good to start the day. Any adventure you throw at him, he's there. 
And it got to a point where he just would wake up crying and he would, you know, want water, cry for water, cry for water. And at first, when you're working, you're putting him in the care of somebody else all day. So did they give him water today? It was maybe we have the water down low on coffee tables. Maybe the water was up on the counter. Maybe he didn't get as much water as he wanted. Definitely the water and the personality change was the biggest for me. That You took him to your doctor because you had a concern? Yeah. Okay. And your doctor immediately tested him? No. He, it, I would say it took about a week. For me to test him uh, to take him in i phoned my mother-in-law whose son also had type 1 diabetes i said this is what i think they thought it was wrong they're like he's happy he's healthy he was he was happy he was healthy little did we know at the time the battle he was going through and i would say it took me about a week a week to stick to my guns and say this is what i think he has and um the doctor didn't want to at 18 months ever diagnose a child with a finger poke because that has so many variances involved in it as well. He wanted a fasting blood glucose. So we went home that night and went to the blood lab first thing in the morning. Um, when you do that, uh, so you're fasting, that means no food, no drink. You can only have water. And then you take him and then they, they do the blood work. Yeah. When did you get the results? That day by noon. <laughs> that's quick yeah yeah we I had the phone call by noon to be at children's hospital and my doctor wanted me there by 5 p.m and at that time I could figure out why the necessity to be at children's so fast and it was more that his daughter's endocrinologist at children's so she ended up being on my endo team welcomed us they had the trauma room ready they knew we were coming so it was I think for him, it was peace of mind. The right person would be looking after him wow. is what he wanted. Wow. Well, and with this, you can mention this, all this in detail to the listeners, but you don't wait when you've been diagnosed with type one, do you? No, no, there was get him there now. And why is that? Like, like, you know, some people, they go, okay, well, we'll go tomorrow. We're just going to settle in. We're going to absorb, you know, some information here. Uh, we'll take her time, but that's not the case with this. This is not something that you should do that with. Never, uh, never at all. And normally is by the time you're presenting those symptoms of excessive thirst, the frequent urination, you know, he's peeing through diapers, your body's already shutting down because it's not getting what it needs to function. So the sooner you can get there and the sooner you can give them that insulin that will help save their lives, the better off they'll be long term. We, if for people that don't know this, um, let's just backtrack a little bit. And uh, this is what I've come to know type one diabetes as. You can add to it or or correct me if if I might be off somewhere. But my research said that type one diabetes is an autoimmune disease that occurs when the body's immune system attacks and destroys cells in the pancreas that make insulin. It's not linked to being overweight. It's not linked to lack of exercise or anything else. It's just not, it's not preventable. And it's causes unknown. Yes, and no cure. And no cure. And if you, if someone in your family has it, you would be likely to get it, correct? 
Correct. There is a genetic component to it. Yes. Definitely in my scenario, there was a genetic component on both sides. I know numerous type 1 families that there was no genetic component. The autoimmune system just turned on and killed, attacked its own healthy body. And sometimes it's as easy as being a cold or a flu, a virus. And we all know children are blocking viruses when they're toddlers and babies. They get viruses everywhere they go. No. This must have been hard for you. So walk us through. You get, you know, you the diagnosis happens. Then what? Because I've done shows with older people. Um, our mutual friend Nathan. Yes. Love that guy. <laughs> <laughs> he is just such a lovely human. And he did the very first show on his diagnosis of type one. And he was just telling me all about all of the feelings and all of the things. So let's transfer all of his information and squeeze it into this tiny little 18-month-old body who does not talk. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, I don't even know where to start. You basically, you go into the hospital, you're there. You have no clue. They hand you like this dietary form. They have to give the cafeteria. This is what your child can eat. And you're like, I don't even know what you're talking about. But I can tell you what my child likes on this list. And then, you know, you get these meals back and they're like too high in carbs. And you're like, what are carbs? What are, am I supposed to be counting these? Because you have no clue. You've just been admitted and just thrown into a big room. And uh, overwhelming is probably the only thing I could say. At one point in time, I had to tell them to stop. Like there's too many people in this one tiny room. It's super warm because obviously the babies aren't wearing any clothes but their hospital gowns. So it's warm and there's people and they're all trying to tell you what's going on. And overwhelming is just, you know, and they ask multiple times, do you understand what's going on? Kind of. But I think the biggest moment for me was they give you this big three inch binder that you take home that basically tells you how to take care of your son during any, you know, instance. The same drug that we give to keep him alive is the exact same drug that'll kill him in a moment. So we have to be very mindful of if we give too much, what do we do to bring that back? How do we offset that? So you leave this hospital, this holding this 18 months old hand with this big binder and you're like, now what? You want me to take him home and keep him alive? Oh, and give him needles that I don't like myself on a good day. Okay, it's, uh, yeah, that's world changing. Can you tell me about the emotion behind that for you? Um, shock. I actually think that the first few, like, little bit is pure shock. Here, how, what did I do at 18 months? You know. <laughs> it is. The same insulin that I give my son to keep him alive if I don't do it right it could kill him yeah <laughs> going back to the day is always the hardest yeah it's um it's you live in I always say my famous saying is you more the life you thought he was gonna have oh you do develop your new normals but there is no like, I can't stress enough, we don't get to go for a walk. There isn't just, let's go for a walk. There is, do you have your backpack? Do you have your clipping on? Do you have low treatments? Do you have pump supplies for if your pump fails? Like, you're always five steps ahead. 
And the one day you think, I don't need to be five steps ahead, we're looking good today, be the one day that you need those five things. So, you know, it's a, it's a different, no longer a carefree lifestyle. There's a lot of planning involved. There's a lot of staying on top of prescriptions, you know, especially stuff for school, low treatments, activity stacks, you name it. We're on top of it, but <laughs> it's a numbers game. And so that's exhausting as it is. And you don't sleep. You don't sleep. Oh, no. Okay. No, we get that multiple times through the night to check him. Okay, so talk to me about that. So, we, so when you're first diagnosed, it's always recommended that you get up because you're tinkering with insulin levels, right? Okay. They don't just bring them down into range. That's not safe for any child. So it has to be a step down pro like progress. So, you know, he, maybe he was 32 when he was diagnosed. They'll bring him down to like mid twenties, then bring them down to the 18s. You can't just bring them down into range. That wouldn't be safe either. Um, so you're taught to check them at night, especially 18 months old. Yes. Yes. You can't see them. You can't see the behavior changes. You can't see anything. So you set your alarm 10, 12, and two at that time. It's 10, 12, and two. We checked him. We've now since regressed to 10, 12, and three with being on a pump, just because the way the pump works that we check him at 3 a.m. But you're making life altering decisions for another human being on little to no sleep. If you wake up at midnight and he's low, you treat the low, you're up again in 15 minutes to check him again. He's low again, you treat him again and check 15 more minutes. But then once you wake to a low, you don't go back to sleep. I don't think any mother would. And you wake up every hour checking them. Okay, so, all right. You wake up between, you wake up at 10, 12, 2. You are checking if he is low, then that means what happened during the day? Do you go backwards? No. Or does it matter? Like, no? Trying to learn from those. So going back in the day helps if you're trying to figure out maybe what triggered the low. But this uncontrollable disease, you can do the same thing, eat the same foods, administer the same doses, and get drastically different results. Because everything affects blood sugars, and your mood, the weather, how much sleep you got, you got too much sleep, your emotions, all of that, it affects your blood glucose, not just what you're eating. You know, did he skip today instead of run? If he was running, you know, he'll burn more sugar naturally. If he's skipping, then he'd burn less. So how do you monitor that at two years old and three years old? Um, we call it swagging. Swagging? Yeah, and I'm going to try and not, I'm not going to swear on your show. Scientific, <laughs> wild, leap. yes. Okay, say it again. Scientific, wild, A-S, yes. Okay. Swagger it all the time. Shooting in the We're dark. Sure. We are. We in Overnight, you become a doctor, a nutritionist, a nurse, as well as a mom. You fill all those roles. You're making all the life altering decisions. And not to mention, Amber Jane, you have a little boy that's 18 months old. So you've just had a baby. This is you're not you're not like out of the woods emotionally yourself. You're not, you're adjusting to two children. This is not this is not easy. 
Okay. So can we talk about the emotion? Did you ever feel like a failure? All the time. I think I cry. You make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right with you. I'm bawling my face off every time you start. I am five years in. We just had our fifth anniversary. And yes, days get better. Yes, days get. But mom guilt? Oh. <laughs> every low. Every high, every everything that happens, you blame yourself. That's just the nature of the beast. So I would say there's not a single week that goes by that you don't feel like a failure. Oh. <laughs> but to no one, you've met Nathan, you've talked to Nathan. They're amazing people. It teaches them resilience, you know, they advocate for themselves. They are strong people. I have a friend who, his name is Alex. And he um, is a young young man in his 20s. And, you know, he said to me how hard it was to, as a teenager when he was diagnosed, to grapple with the life change yeah. of, you know, you can't actually do what everybody else is doing your your son will does hasn't known anything different Nathan is on the other end of the spectrum where he kind of done all that anyway and he was like well I'm just glad to be alive you know um it's very interesting but the thread between those stories is it is a life-altering um life-changing thing that has so many ramifications in the in the real world you're talking about waking up at 12 and 2 or 10 12 2 and now changing it to 3 but what happens if they're ever at a sleepover can they go to sleepovers what happens if they're right like and you have so then what do you say you you can't go and then what like how how do you and where is the support for you? You adapt and you become the household that everybody comes to sleep over for. You know, okay. um, you, you have all the kids over because it'd be easier. I'm not aware of any other mom that would be like, hey, let me take your child for you and get up all night and I'll try very hard not to kill him. You had you know, <laughs> five years to figure it out, but you know, I wouldn't put that on anybody else. What does the lack of rest do to you and your mental state and your well-being? Yeah. Mental state is by definitely a big part of it. You're, uh, I, we all can look back and that was first like three months being a new mom. Oh. You live there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You live in that world and you have that fight or flight. You're, I always try and, is the best way to describe it is most people's bodies go into fight or flight. Yeah. Type moms are always in flight or flight. Oh, yeah. 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 There's no taking the foot off the gas. There's no anything like that. But technology has come a long way. And I'd be, you know, reminisce to not say how much of that changed our lives because it does wander through the night. And especially breaking the leg, I can't get 
have to check him anymore. So you're relying on technology now to be that one that's alerting you. Okay, he's trending down this fast by, you know, it actually tells you he'll be low by 2.05 a.m. and then you just treat it. So you, that has changed my life for sure. So when when you moved towards trusting the machine. <laughs> so just recently. <laughs> <laughs> we, we did talk about this in the green room. Not this, but we talked about letting go. Yeah. Um, this is not how I would want to let go. <laughs> and I can't imagine uh, the struggle. You know, so your mental wellness, your mental well-being, it's like you're always on. You're never able to turn it off. You're always, like you said, I'm always five steps ahead. And the, 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 I would imagine when you hear of families that are like, oh, we just packed up and, you know, <laughs> and we X, Y, and Z, you're just like, I wish. How do you move from a place of, oh, I just want to go to Disneyland without any problem to, that's okay. This is okay. You get there. Okay. You get there, and that just is experience talking, maybe, that you do plan day things, day trips, and adventures, and you make mistakes, and you learn along the way, okay, maybe we should have done that, or we should have packed five more juice boxes. Because they need a juice box, they right? So, okay, what happens? what happens with that? All of a sudden, the sugar's low, or sorry, the insulin is low. Oh, sugar's low. Yeah. Oh, sugar's low. Okay, so sugar's low. Now what? Typically, you treat every child is different, and every scenario is different. How low they actually are, how much sugar they need to come back. As he gets older, he'll need more because he's younger. He doesn't quite need as much as he will as he gets older. And uh, but then that's where the hard part comes in, where. You know, you want them to still be a child. You want them to participate in everything everybody else is doing. But to come back up from technically bleeding low, he needs to stop. He needs to drink his juice box and wait 15 minutes. In 15 minutes, you'll retest. If he's come back up, he needs a snack to maintain his sugars. Juice box is fast-acting. Any fast-acting sugar will shoot him up. But you need something to keep him there, maintain him. And part of that is, you know... A, Popular one for us is, you know, crackers and peanut butter or granola bar. That'll help keep him up and sustain him to finish off whatever activity we're doing. You just make adjustments, unfortunately. Well, and and how do you manage that, like, at a birthday party? You swag. <laughs> All the time. You know, how much is a cupcake? It's always a great guess. I don't know. What is it made of? Butterfree frosting? You know? But I'm never going to be that mom that says, no, you can't have it. He's going to always get to have a cupcake. He's going to, have to always have the cake. And when kids ask us, what can't he have? What can't you eat? And the, the one we always give them because they're kids is cookies with poison. You probably can't eat cookies with poison, right? You can't eat cookies with poison either, but everything else he can eat. I said, but your body tells itself what to do. I just do it for him. 
So we always compare him to Iron Man. You know, Iron Man's on the outside of his body, so that's me to him. And that's his pop to is the best way we can describe it to five year olds, six year olds. Well, because he's not he doesn't he's not there yet. No, he's getting there. Yes. Yes. Does he know when he's can he begin to feel like what when when he, when was the age that he could begin to feel like oh I'm I need something or I need more water? The it's um it's funny not funny but funny the <laughs> as you transition through your stages of with your kids you know different different like terrible twos you know and then we all say terrible threes and every stage of life brings its own terribleness yeah the same with him he adapts and you know changes to the good thing about we always say you know he didn't know life before that the only problem is because he's only known this life he's adapted to always feeling different so he's not quite self-aware yet when he was first diagnosed and he went low he'd shake his hands 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 because they would go numb and tingly because he was low. And then he adapted to that. So then there was no longer this hands, hands. Now we find he's getting better at saying he's low. He can actually feel the drop. Sometimes, though, it's a little bit too late by the time he can tell us. By the time he can tell us, he's inconsolable. He's crying. He's getting a little bit better about it. But it's still a, a fine line. So then you can see that when the sugar gets to that point, then he's in his behavior changes drastically. Okay. Okay. How do now he's in kindergarten? Grade one. How does that work? <laughs> we uh, were strategic in the school we put him in and everything was a very thought out plan. I'm a very type A personality and um, we put him into a school that was a block behind my in-laws. The reason being is I work in Langley, Trevor works in the West, and... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, what, what do you do in an emergency? So we put, them, we put them in school, a block behind my in-laws, and that coupled with the weird, small craziness of being in such a small community like North Delta is there was another Grady, and that is the rarest name I've heard. And then to have another Grady in kindergarten, another Grady in French immersion, because we're in, we're in the French immersion program, and just got diagnosed as type 1 diabetic. So then the school is like, what do we do? We have these two diabetics. My Grady's not new. He's on a pump. The other Grady is still injections. They're like, do we put them together? Do we separate them? What do we do? And it was... You know, the teacher requested him. It was, she was amazing. And we had nothing but EA issues. So we had nobody there to watch him. You know, they get promoted through the first little bit of school. Uh, so I stayed the whole first month of school, the whole month of September. How I still have a job left, I'll never know. But they are amazing too. And then um, he finally got a new EA. And the teacher herself took it upon herself to take all the online courses, how to care for him. She made up all her own posters, put up around the school, and she knew him. So when he changed personalities, she called the EA. So it didn't need him to say I'm low or I'm high. She knew. And it was amazing. So going into a kindergarten, yeah. So when you said change personalities, just not like, like, like just more like behavior. Yeah. 
just behavior, completely behavior, highs and lows do completely different things. My daycare provider that's had him since diagnosis, she says he gets a look in his eyes. I still haven't figured that part out. I'm like, well, you're amazing then because I still don't notice that as he's bouncing down the hallway. I'm like, oh, okay, you're low, you Come back here, child. Right, let me look at you. Yeah, yeah. We used to make him hold out his hands. And? Well, if he's low, they're shaking. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, so I, I, I always say that I had an amazing kindergarten teacher. I was blessed enough this year and promised by the district that I would not have the same issues I had last year. How fortunate. So amazing. So. Wow. You know, how do you deal with the classroom dynamic where, you know, um, yeah, how do you deal with that? It's, I actually find the classroom dynamic a little bit easier than, say, real world. Children are very open-minded. They just want to know. You know, they want to watch him get his finger pokes. They want to watch him get his pump change. Like, we camp with a phenomenal amount of kids, and they all just want to see it. They just want to know. Just teach them. Whereas when you're in, I don't want to say the real world, but adult life, there's misconceptions. And, you know, what did you do to your child? You know, um, one of the first conversations I had was actually with an EA. He works with me. And he said to me, he's like, well, you know, that's why people have diabetes. It's just so much cheaper to go to McDonald's than feed your kids McDonald's. Oh, my. Yeah, that face is my face. Exactly. <laughs> well, I just was trying to, I wasn't thinking that that was going to come. Like I was expecting it. I was expecting you to say something else. Yeah, so it's the misconceptions of it. It is what do you, and I would love to ask anybody that thinks that any parent has caused anything to the child. What at 18 months do you think I fed my child to give them type 1 diabetes? I think that's the hardest one for me to get over. What do you mm. think I did? Because I handmade all my baby food. There is no justification. We already know um, what the issue is and we know how it happens. And it doesn't, it just, it doesn't. It, it's just someone gets this. There, there's no rhyme and there's no reason. And it's not about, you know, if you have someone in your family, well, maybe you will have it. It might skip a generation or whatever, but you don't know. And, and also there are people that you said earlier, there's, they don't have a diagnosis. There's nobody in their family for generations back. They get it. So you know, it's not that, and it's definitely not about eating fast food, and it's definitely not about the care. But, you know, it's so interesting how, um, now Nathan didn't, I don't believe this is part of his story, because he was 23, 24. Yeah, in there. Yeah. 20. Whereas Alex, it was, what did I do to have this? The, the shame and the guilt is already there. No, Nobody needs to contribute to it, right? Like, imagine at that age of in, in your 20s where you're feeling comfortable enough to give yourself administer insulin in a back room when you're working yeah and we will always um and I stand firm that I will not let this stop him he you know and I I've been saying this for so long that I actually might not be able to say it anymore uh because there's now an, a pilot that's become a pilot 
with type 1 diabetes. That was the one thing he was up to. He couldn't be a pilot, couldn't be an astronaut, he couldn't deep sea dive um, for various reasons that would trigger highs and lows. And, but that, that's it. And I'm not going to let stop him. No, no, because you know what? We will advance. And by the time he's ready to embark on a career, you know, there, there might be something where he can, um, you know, go and, and do something that they said he couldn't. You talked about the insulin. You talked about at the beginning, you're doing injections. And then now, you know, as you move into it, you have the pump, which controls the glucose levels. Um, so it just controls the insulin. I'm sorry. Yeah. So the pump gives him the insulin. So I'll back up a little bit. So a pump is like, um, the best way to describe it is like an IV tube into him. Okay. So we preset it to what we call a basal and a basal is what constantly drips in at all times. Very calculated formula. Still need to change it every month or two or some puberty days every three days but that's the amount that constantly drips into him when he eats we stop the talent to give him more to cover the amount of food he's eating there's still always the constant adjustments always happening it rotates every three days it's on his body all the time okay so it goes in his leg arm where leg arm butt stomach wherever he will let us in that loop it's not a tube. Depends the- on the pump you have. Okay. So there are tube ones, and we're on what's called Omnipod, so it's a tubeless system. But it's like a, try to see if I have one normally within arm's reach all the time. Yeah. It's like a plastic piece. Okay. It sits raised on his skin. On his skin, raised. Yeah. Um, and then... It's got batteries and stuff in it, right? Okay. Uh, it is. I want to show you one now. It's going to bother me. But don't get up because you broke your leg. I can't. I've already had to shift positions like three times. I saw you. I saw you move. The pain levels. Uh, it's pretty thick, but it's it's tubeless. So when you're dealing with a two-year-old, because we put him on the pump at two, you know, it was something that we could stand outside his bedroom and bolus him for because it's Bluetooth. So we didn't have to go into his bedroom. So we didn't have to make one Yeah. So we you can adjust his levels from your 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 bedroom or your outside of his door? Yeah. So, like, say if we know he's going low, we'll try and suspend the insulin or reduce it. So when they're sick, they still need insulin, but maybe necessarily sometimes not as much because they're not eating. No wonder you need a, a binder. Oh, it is. But, you know, I say that you were blessed to be at a children's hospital. We have an endocrinologist team on call at all times. So at any point in time that you're, you know, this is what we tried, nothing's working, they will also walk you through what they think you should do. And is that for everybody? Does everybody have a level of support like you do? They should, yes. Whether you're done out of, you know, Children's, Stern Memorial, or Abbotsford, I think those are the three major clinics right now in the Lower Mainland, and they should all have an after-hours endo. Let's talk about, um, I mean, the cost of this. Because this is, this is from listening to Nathan, from discussing things with Alex, who I would like to bring on the show, uh, because he's a a gem of a guy. 
And his brother has a same type one as well. So his mother has two boys, you know, and the costs are are through the roof and he's got to pay for him, his pump. I mean, it's a necessity to keep him alive. Which is, I, I, to me, one of the most heartbreaking things in Canada, we're very fortunate, we're very lucky that we're not having the same battles as the U.S. is having with the cost of insulin. It is expensive, do not get me wrong, this disease is not cheap by any means, and when you first get diagnosed, they sit you down, and they go through, this is what a year is going to cost you. Do you have benefits? Can it cover it? Can you afford it if you don't have benefits? Um, the the cost, I it's still mind blowing to me. Um, what can may I ask? Absolutely. So his pumps. So let's just take one one thing he needs. The pumps alone are for three months, nine hundred dollars for three months supply, and that is if a pump doesn't fail. Or if it doesn't get, because his is Bluetooth, it get, can get statically charged and fail because it'll zap itself. And we're talking about children that play on plastic slides with joggy pants on. So that's always constantly an issue. Um, insulin alone is, you know, I think the last time I looked was $169 a box. A box maybe gets you through maybe a month. You know, strips when we were on test strips and they limit them. You're only allowed to have so many a year, which blows my mind because do you think I'm selling these on the street that would allow so many? Because if you're up, if you're if you're going through a period of lows with your child, you're testing every 15 minutes. But you're giving me they allow you to average to test about 10 to 14 times a day, which on a good day, you don't need that many. But on a bad day, you have the flu anything like that, you, you need them. And uh, to make anybody pay that much money is just, you know, and I can't go without saying that you have technology. I'm blessed enough to be covered by benefits. I have a very good benefits uh, plan through the city. It covers my CGM, my continuous glucose monitor. What blows my mind is that you have this technology that can keep these kids alive let these parents have sleep, but it costs a fortune. And three quarters of policies don't cover it. Ours didn't cover it. We had to fight for it. And we were just thankful. The employer, the city was so good that they were willing to help us get it on their plan. So they added it to their plan. And then I guess it was under like a subsection of a specialty device. Then we had to have it reclassified. It was a process. We did choose um, to pay out of pocket to get it because it was a necessity, but I don't understand why we're not covering that. I don't know. At the age of 25, why are we cutting these kids off and well, saying that pay for your own pump? They said, when I was doing the research, it said anywhere in some provinces, cause it's not the same everywhere. Uh, right okay this is and this is the same i've done interviews with autism and this is the same problem that families are having everybody's different so what you have in bc you might not have in alberta what you have in alberta you might not have anywhere else so 
It varies, but I believe I wrote down it's somewhere between 18, 18, 19, or 25 that they'll cut that off. And then you're in it for the rest of your life. So what if you don't get a job that has benefits? It can be $1,000 a month. Easy. Over. I would, yeah, over? I would say over. Yeah. But that depends on also equipment you're using, right? But I cannot understand. Because are know, these pumps expensive? The pumps? Yeah. Yeah. What? How much are they? Well, I think if we, and I think I broke it down to one pump is worth $10 and you wear it for three days. But you still have to fill that with insulin and it takes so many units of insulin to run. Grady doesn't take anywhere close to 80 units a day, every three days. So we're overfilling it, right? To make it run. Right? So you're already. So you're wasting. We pull it back out sometimes. Yeah. So sometimes we'll pull the insulin back out, reload another one. Try tools of the trade, right? That you try to find every way possible to cover him. Yeah. It's, it's, that is the one thing that blows my mind is the cost. I don't know when you did any of your research, if you had seen um, Banting and Best had sold the patent for insulin for a dollar because they felt that every child deserved to have the life-saving medication they needed. And then you look at it now and it's $164 a box. What happened? Well, exactly, right? What happened? Where did we go wrong? Where do we go wrong thinking that something, as you let out in the beginning of this interview, you said, the very thing that I need to keep my son alive is the very thing that could kill him. And you're not being dramatic. No, not at all. And tell us, what would could go wrong? Like you have probably had some near misses We've had a few. Um, the most dramatic one I always try to share is we talked about sleep de- deprivation, that you're in that fight or flight all the time at night. You're making those decisions at night. Uh-huh. So, you know, say he's high and he needs a half a unit to come bring his blood glucose down from 18 VG to 8, and it normally takes a unit. What if you accidentally put in two units? You're tired. You're manually entering it all in. You're manually calculating all of these ratios and you know the pumps do help because you have settings in there as a fail safe but you know we had a first instance at school just recently that he said he fell asleep which obviously he passed out Um, and what it was is that he spilled his macaroni he he cleaned it up he threw it away but he got bolus for it because he didn't tell his EA he had spilled it so what happens now is that you've given him all this insulin to cover this food he never consumed. So it drops him, right? So there's always those, for instances, that can happen. You know, what if I meant to say, you know, that he was having 10 grams and I put in 20? Because you're putting in that yourself, right? So there's human error that's... And how could you ever forgive yourself, right? So he spilt his macaroni... And said to himself, well, I'm not, I'm not going to eat that. It was on the floor. Yeah, who's going to eat floor macaroni? But you didn't calculate that in the morning when you were putting in what he needed for the day because you calculate it when you make his lunch. Well, I put stickers 
on everything in his lunch because I still want him to have the choice of what he eats. So I don't sell the pump, but the EA does. And everything has a sticker and they're all color coded. And they say how many grams each one is. Macaroni is one of his favorites to take for lunch. It's an easy 39 grams, which gives him almost two units of insulin. So to not eat anything, well, I'm not saying he didn't eat any of it. He probably ate some of it, but he didn't eat the floor macaroni. And then to go outside and run around and play, he just crashed. Right, because he was running, he might not have been skipping. If he was walking, like, and you can't, this is so unpredictable. So for someone like you, who is, (laughs) right? Like your, your personality is like organized structure. Give me framework. This is very, very, very disconcerting for you. Does he feel fear about this or worry or anxiety? We, at the beginning, when you forget about the modern cars and having Bluetooth and you're having conversations and you forget about your little peanuts in the back, (laughs) uh, we did talk about it. And it was conversations that were had through family members and everything like that. What happened is he did have a fear that he was going to, you know, possibly die. And all we did was be more mindful of how we spoke about the disease. So now we can't. We can't ignore that fact. We can't ignore, he has to be responsible for it at some point himself. So we can't pretend that aspect isn't there, but we do teach him that we take very good care of him and we are always paying attention. We will always pay attention and we will teach him how to take very good care of himself. Nathan's, um, in retrospect, his A1C is amazing. He does a great job of controlling his sugars. Like that is... Well, I mean, and he spoke with me. He said, like, he doesn't drink, consume alcohol. I mean, he is just, like, rock-steady guy. Yeah. Yeah, every uh, type of alcohol does something different. Okay. That's even worse. Because <laughs> you have mixed it. <laughs> yes. And part of uh, the life-saving drug that we have that he carries on all times is glucagon. If he's ever to suffer a really bad low or a seizure, we carry glucagon at all times so that we can inject him and save him essentially is what glucose is for. You can also use it when they're sick and give mini doses. The hard part about when you're drinking is that your body already depletes the liver of your stored sugars. So if you went low and you use glucagon, but you had been drinking all night, that glucagon's not going to work because your body's already depleted of all that. Okay. So you essentially have to teach them to drink responsibly. And who wants to have that conversation with their child? I'm going to tell you how you need to drink. And you need to be smart about drinking. Yeah, because everybody around them and is doing it differently. And if they're and when Grady's a teenager and those teenagers out there, they're like, but I just got diagnosed. What? And it hasn't really been internalized yet. I just got diagnosed. It's all good. I can handle this. Yeah. You could die. Absolutely. And you wouldn't want to drink too much because that could put you in a big, serious state, I would imagine. Absolutely. So how do you, um, food and the diet, what, what do you do? You begin to talk about this healthy eating, like, because potatoes convert to their carbs, but their sugar and the, and then there's this and that. And so how does it work for you? Uh, everything is the same as every child. You always want to promote a healthy balanced diet, uh, with the type one, the misconception is less carbs because they don't want the sugar. 
he needs that sugar to carry the insulin to the body. Okay. So it has to be a healthy balance of carbs and insulin. So to be honest, at this stage of the game, we are a very high carb family because we need him to eat those carbs. We need him to cover the amount of insulin we're giving him so that he can function. As he becomes a teenager, and we all know that boys will very nicely eat us at house at home, we will push more of the free foods like veggies. Veggies are absolutely free. You know, more of the high protein foods that can make him feel full without really affecting his blood glucose. So again, it goes back to that saying you're always going to have that challenging of every age group of what we're going to do, how we're going to change it. Right now, we're a bit more of a high carb fat. Um, in terms of emergencies. Yes. You hope you don't have them? Right. That's not being very funny. Uh, we, we're on it. And uh, we built a very good village. And that is something that we had done right from the get-go of having kids. We, we built a village of amazing parents. We camp with them. We travel with them. We do everything with them. And I'm very blessed to have in-laws that had a type 1 son. It is a very different world now with insulin and technology and it's very different with not your own child, <laughs> but we're very blessed in that way too, that we've had to call them and we've had to pull in different resources. You know, I had phoned Children's Hospital once, you know, it had a perfect storm of a site failure. He was sick already and I thought I had it. Mm. And I phoned Children's so like, I'm pretty sure I've done everything right. Just making sure, just bouncing ideas off you that there's nothing else I can do. And they're like, you need to go in. And I'm like, okay, what hospital is closest to you? I'm like, if you're telling me I have to go to the hospital, I'm coming to see you. Well, of course. I'm coming to see the experts. I'm not going. And she's like, you don't have time. And I said, okay. And then, of course, it's a phone call to my in-laws because you're not taking your other child to emerge. Nope. You know, so you always know. Uh, you're always mindful when you're having a glass of wine at night and you have him here. In a case of an emergency, can I drive to the hospital? In the case of an emergency, can I get up and respond? And that's always on the mind. And, and this is what you're saying is, I'm always thinking 5, 10, 15 steps ahead of myself. There's never a time where you have had a break. Have you ever just gone away overnight somewhere by yourself? It doesn't turn off. Because you worry. Yeah. And that's, I think, a mom thing for sure. And, you know, I've referenced the mom guilt multiple times. Mom, mom guilt is terrible. Even when the kids are with other people, you still worry and mm -hmm. you still wonder. And, you know, like Trevor has a sore back right now. So, you know, are you taking anything for your sore back? Like I had to take for my broken leg. Because then, like, yeah. Do you want me to phone you during the night if I see him going low and it alerts me? Do I know that you have or do you want the extra phone call? So you always have that communication. I feel like I talk to Brady's dad more now than I probably ever did before. <laughs> so what are you guys doing today? Where are you going? Do you have juice boxes? You know. Yep. What will you tell a mom who is listening and a dad who's listening? Because when there's mother guilt, there's also father guilt. Let's just call it parent guilt. Yeah. yeah. What do you say to someone who's feeling guilty? It gets easier. You, and it doesn't, the disease doesn't get easier. You get better. Hmm. You start knowing I did this. I'm right. And you just hone those skills a little bit more. And 
things, you know, I told you in the green room that we had just had Halloween. We were in Thanksgiving, or sorry, Remembrance Day when we got diagnosed. And I couldn't get past Halloween. Like, what do you do at Halloween? Because that was what we just dealt with. And you just, it does. You, you become an expert and you just hone your skills and you just need to trust them. You know you have them. You know what your child needs and you do it. What if somebody says, uh, I'm not a mathematician, like, uh, <laughs> like two plus two is chicken. <laughs> what, what, do, what do you do? There is amazing online communities that will, and I can guarantee you at any point in time, and I've done it multiple times myself, at four o'clock in the morning, there's at least hundreds of other people updating the exact same thing you're doing, which is straight below. You know, we're dealing with a sick child. I say use your resources. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk about, you know, we have these endos on call. I think I refer to my mom friends more than I ever have called my endo team. Because they're in the trenches with you. They know. So they've been there. And, you know, maybe your son doesn't want chocolate milk tonight. Okay, well, what's your go-to? Ours are Skittles and Dextabs. Some parents are honey. And sometimes you just need a, ref- it needs to be brought to the forefront of your brain. Hold on, what do you use for, oh yeah, I can use that. And it just helps. So use your resources. It does, you do get better. It does get, it's never easy. I don't want to lie and say, it's, you know, it's terribly easy. You just adapt. And it becomes, like I said, more in the loss of the life you thought they're going to have. And just change your expectations of what it should be. And all you can do is know that you're going to let them be a kid. Let them have the cake. Pull us them for it. If we're wrong, well then we're, Giving a little bit more insulin later to cover the, the cake. But that's my one thing. I, I always want them to be kids. Make sure they have the goodie bag. Make sure they have the cake. You know, you can do it in the safety of your own home if you were unsure or worried. But Let's talk about JDRF because um, they've been around for 40 years yeah. around there. They are the leaders in, in, in searching for an end to the type 1 diabetes um, through research, funding, and advocacy. Uh, you are a part of this. Yeah, I, um, we talk about the cost of diabetes, which leaves any parents kind of strapped. And the only way you could really help out is by volunteering, is by giving back, advocating, educating the, the world about your child. Because the world is, you know, people are quite blissfully unaware you know, I spend a lot of time advocating and educating for him. And I happened to be, I went somewhere and I ran into, you know, one of the, the actual employees of JDRF. And we were chit-chatting about the mentor program. And she's like, oh, would you be interested in being a mentor? I said, absolutely. You know, because um, we're not there to give medical advice. We're not there to treat your child. We're there to help you through the difficult everyday struggles of diabetes. And then it became that, well, what do you mean Grady was 18 months old? Will you come, you know, to our events and, and be an ambassador for the brand? And so Grady could talk it up my time, you know, being two, even being six, he's not going to get up on stage. He'll talk to you about his disease. Absolutely. One-on-one, no problem. But he can't give a presentation. So then we started going to little workshops for companies that are, you know, going to donate in the ride or donate the conquer for the cure and everything so we started doing things like that and now i head up their uh, fraser valley mentor chair program 
So a newly diagnosed family gets diagnosed, you know, I follow up with them. What additional resources can the JDF provide to you? Because not only are they doing education, you know, and technology, they're also advocating. So if you're struggling in a smaller town where you have no support from the school, the schools are saying you have to keep your kids home because we've all been there where our kids have to stay home because there's nobody there to take care of them. The JDRF will go in there and advocate for you. They will help find resources around the communities that can help you out. So they are a tool that I think not a lot of people utilize. That's amazing. Yeah, they are, you know, they were out in Nanaimo a little while ago and all they did was go into a kid's class and teach them, you know. I'm thankful that I can, you know, my work does let me have a day or two off here and there where I will go into the class and talk and teach them. But it's nice to know that you have some of these big guys in JDRF that will and is able to go and help you. Um, how do you know if your child has type one? What are the symptoms? The most common is the water consumption, the frequent urination is was a big one for us. We thought we need to buy better pampers, like our pampers are leaking through now. <laughs> it was a crazy amount of diapers and how full they were that we were going through. Um, but it also does mimic flu-like symptoms. They do tend to be tired. They tend to be lethargic. They're dizzy. And, you know, I talked about Grady's personality changes. Um, looking back on pictures of him, as much as I say he was a very happy, healthy little boy, he went to a birthday party the weekend before he got diagnosed. And when I look at those pictures, you can see it. The sunken face, the dark circles. He had lost a lot of weight. But in hindsight, when you're in the moment, you don't see those things. Blue-like symptoms, and we say just one drop. If your your child's not well and they're not getting better, you know them, ask for a finger poke. Every clinic has a blood glucose monitor. They can poke you. Poke the finger. Um, Unusual behavior, lots of water. Those were the ones that you experienced. We were 72 ounces of water before lunch. Yeah, yeah. 72 ounces. I can't even drink 72 ounces as an adult trying to drink eight cups of water a day. So that is a lot. A lot of water. Yeah. Um, so you're managing. Yeah. You're coping. Yeah, we're coping. Yeah. Well, I'd like to say we're managing because he's happy. And as much as I do all these presentations and I we went to dentist. I, I spoke um, at the last JDRF gala. And it was funny because I don't do these often in front of him. So he's not here tonight. He's off at the fish, fish hatchery tonight. And um, so I did my speech. And it was all about how he got diagnosed. And I dawned on me when I looked over at him. He's wiping a tear. I'm like, did you cry? And he's like, no, mom. I leaked one tear. I only leaked one. <laughs> was, I was like, wow, and, like, and I never want him to take it the wrong way that we're set. It's we're educated. So as long as we, if we even help one family, we're doing what we need to do. What do you do with the sadness, though? I would say it, it only comes on severe tired days um, where you're I'm super exhausted. Uh, but for the most part, I talk and I post. And I post in my group, my support group, of people that understand. And sometimes you get this string of, 
Oh, me too. And, you know, you'll see the constant, but is a lot of our catch taglines, everything right now. Um, but you also get the encouraging words to people that are having a bit better of a day. And sometimes you just need to be like, this sucks. And then you, once you've put it out there, it kind of is like, okay, it sucked. I cried. What do I need to do today? Because you can't live there. If you live there, you're not doing anything for him. I'm not doing anything for myself. I'm not doing anything for the kids around me or even my partners, right? So you, you have to, you have to let it go and you have to mourn it, give yourself time to grieve it and also move on. And you have to respect that grief when it comes because yeah. it's not, right? It's not always going to be there, but it still has its moments down and you have to respect it. You have to give it time because you can't, you can't run on that fight or flight all the time and not expect to be emotional. How, and, and this is what concerns me because I, well, I've talked to lots of families who um, their children have autism and, uh, and that's what they say. It's that fight or flight all the time that just destroys the adrenals. It keeps you going. But there seems to be, um, and maybe I'm wrong about this. This is why I want you to speak to it. Self-care. Like, do you know that word? No, but I am working on it. And um, believe it or not, the, you know, the trauma, let's say, of getting diagnosed compared to the trauma of breaking my leg, I've, uh, I did see a counselor, a trauma counselor, for just dealing with the anger that came along with now I can't do anything. I'm back on the couch. I have, you know, this child that needs me. I have another child that's growing up and needs me as well. Um, and it was, we all know to do it. And it, the moms of autistic kids, I'm surely can attest to this. You know what you need to do for self-care, but sometimes you just need somebody to remind you. And, you know, for a long time for me, it was loud music in the car. That was my release. That was my get through and it was had an hour before I got to the kids that I, I had that time when I broke my leg that kind of shifted and that was no longer my thing she's like find your new thing hmm. stop and get a coffee on the way home do something that you need to do to get yourself there so that you're okay going home and sometimes it is just communicating where your threshold is at so you know say my threshold's green I'm good but there are days where you're up all night and you you've not slept and you're not feeling good and your threshold is red. And then maybe those days you do more self-care, more time, maybe reading a book or stepping away from the situation that is, has you in that fight or flight. How has it made you better? Huh? I've had to let a lot go. I've had to let go of a lot of my type A-ness. Um, Cause you, like I said, you do the same thing, the same and such different results. So trying to control something I couldn't control and um, I'm getting better about it and trying to let him control a little bit more too, mm. right? One of the first things uh, Dr. Dad had told us was it's an uncontrollable disease. You can't control it. It's you just try and manage it. But I'm trying to control it. I can only imagine how he will feel growing up having this disease control him. So he's like, let him control anything he can. So where does he want his finger poked tonight? Where does he want his injections? He's like, let him control the things he can control. 
So mine is more letting go of that control. His will probably be more regaining some of that control that he has. I'm, I, I love our conversation. This has been. I'm five years in. I don't cry at the drop of a hat. You tell I had rough nights. So. <laughs> I'm glad that you were vulnerable and able to release your sadness. I think tears are that where they're, the body is a messenger that's saying, hey, there's something going on. And when you listen to that, um, I believe that tears are just letting go of some of that sadness that, you know, sometimes can't come out. And when you're just crying and you're just, you're talking a normal conversation and tears are just running out, it's just because you just had that space to let go. And I, I just want to thank you um, for letting me into this part of your life. That's a very vulnerable private place and yet you've done it so well. And I want to thank you for being as uh, intentional as you are and your story matters so much and is so uh, inspiring because Lots of people can't let go and you are showing uh, that it is okay. Piece by piece, inch by inch, don't break your leg to do it. <laughs> <laughs> but, right, you know, um, if somebody wanted to reach out to you, can we, where can they reach out to you? Anytime. Uh, feel free to put out my contact info. I'm always okay with that. I am on Facebook, I'm on Instagram, I'm on it all, and I will help anybody any time of day or night. Okay. Um, and if and if you aren't able to reach out to Amber Jane, you can reach me, um, and then I can reach out to you. Uh, you can go to www.loreclark.ca, or you can, well, when you're there, you can click the button and share your story, and it'll just come right through to our team, or you can just cut all that out and email us at the Lori Clark team at gmail.com, which is uh, the L O R I C L A R K E team at gmail.com. You can also go to our Instagram, uh, which is the Lori Clark show. Thank you. Thank you for, you know, even taking the interest in a disease that hasn't directly affected. I think you're the first person ever that has approached me that hasn't just been diagnosed that you're like, Hey, I'm genuinely interested. And that's been a breath of fresh air. So thank you. Well, you've just moved me into another state of gratitude for my health, for my four children's health. That's why we do what we do. So I'm, you know, if there's someone that wants to share their story, I've said this to every guest. I will tell this story a hundred times. I'm going to post it tonight. So... <laughs> Just so you know, I haven't done it yet. I was meeting and just making sure you're okay with that before I say it. Anyone wants to share their story? Oh, come on. Because the more people share, the, the, it's powerful. It's powerful. It's just, we can collaborate together. You know, you don't need to have type 1 diabetes to care. Because really, it doesn't matter. Every story matters. Your experience has helped at least one person today. And that is the life experience that we can give back. And how can I give back to you? By doing what we're doing right now. And of course, you know, I talked to you and said, look, I want to, 
I want to do what I can. So how I can be involved, please let me know how I can be involved. What can I do? Um, I, I want to show up. I want to show up for kids and I want to show up because I believe that uh, no one should have to say to anybody the same medicine that could help my son or my daughter could also kill them. And I have to pay a lot of money. I like it. Well, thank you. Let's turn type one into type none. Yes. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. And I will email your names. <laughs> well, you're gonna, you're. I will need you to assist. I know. I will. I definitely. I'm always open for it. I know. So, you'll, be soon. <laughs> you'll be walking soon. Oh, bless you. Honestly, like I said at the beginning, I just honestly like so much. I'm just heaping love on you because um, I appreciate the time. Your time is precious, and you gave it to me. So thank you, and you gave it to all of us, and we all thank you. You are very inspiring. Um, have an excellent evening. Thank you. And Enjoy. well, I will. I will. Um, and kiss your son for me. <laughs> I will. All right. Have a good day. You too. Thank you. Bye bye.